This is the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Hey everyone, welcome to season three. I am so glad to be back pouring into you and really learning for myself. This season is full fire. Uh, A lot more interviews, a lot more lessons, uh, different things that I'm just trying to grow, learn, ask, uh, things that I want to learn for myself and pass them on to you. And today's uh, episode is gonna be just starting off fundamentally with amazing wisdom from a guy named Glenn Schaefer. He shared on the podcast before, he's out in Oklahoma, Destiny Life Church, just a guy that's been coming to South Florida, pouring in to leaders here in this area, specifically a spiritual father to Ron Jones. Uh, And just love being able to have him, his co-partner Jerry uh, in the gospel, just being able to come into this area and invest in certain leaders. And they are just a gift to the church. And uh, like many of these guest lessons or interviews, what ends up happening is as I'm pastoring and trying to learn and lead and meet with uh, men and women that are wiser than me and asking questions, uh, nuggets just spark. Um, They come up and basically I say, wow, that was amazing. Can you share that with uh, the podcast, uh, people that I'm pouring into? Or can can I record that? That, that? There's something special about that. I even have a few interviews this season on race. Uh, the micro church, uh, mental health, things that I'm uh, wanting to talk about, uh, things that the culture is talking about, and what the Bible says about that. How as leaders do we prepare for these things? And so I was talking with Glenn, and he was just talking with me and Ron about the five foundations of a shepherd, a uh, pastor, someone that's gifted and just taking care of people. And I was just like, Glenn, can you share that with Uh, the Leadership Lessons podcast. Can you share that with other pastors? Because that is good. Uh, I even encourage him, this needs to be a book. And many people have actually encouraged him to do that. So hopefully by this video, by this content, you'll start seeing, wow, this is amazing content. Not just because of the principles, but because of his life, how he's grown in this, and um, he's lived it out. You know how some messages take many years to uh, process, to prepare? Uh, I feel like this First episode by Glenn is one of those messages. And so really blessed and excited to have him on the podcast. I'm going to try to use this podcast this time as I set up the videos, the interviews, uh, just doing it in one take as I'm as I'm like sitting and talking with you. And so uh, the format of this podcast is I, I sort of get in my office, I organize things and, and uh, I just sit down and I talk to you, uh, setting some of these lessons up, setting some of these interviews up, and just excited to share um, a fresh season of content with you. So it's year 2020. We're in season three. This is Glenn Schaefer. Super excited for him to share with you the five foundations of a shepherd. Be blessed. Hi, I want to thank you for joining us today. I'm Glenn Schaefer. Have the privilege of laboring and pouring our lives into a vast number of leaders. And so I want to take a moment today and share with you just out of our own experiences and what we see in the Word of God concerning five foundations for shepherds. There's a passage over in Acts where Paul calls all of the elders together from Ephesus. And he has a great passion for them, knowing that he will not see them again. 
And he makes a statement that I'd like to read out of Acts 20 and 28, where he says, pay careful attention. One translation says guard. It says pay close attention to yourselves and to all the flock. After over four decades of leading a congregation and shepherding, I have discovered we never get away, I believe, from these five foundations of spiritual leaders or pastors or shepherds or whatever term you want to use. That is what's happening in our life. When Paul says to pay careful attention, what does that actually mean? Well, for me, and I believe for all of us, there are five areas. Number one, growing in personal wholeness. Now, notice how I said that. I said growing. Why? Because we never completely arrive. In fact, Paul talks about us growing from glory to glory. And I remember as a younger pastor, I would never have thought of this until the Holy Spirit began to take us through experiences and through life. And what I thought was hard and wanted to call bad, I discovered it was just hard. Because hard is not bad, it's just hard. But during those hard days, I discovered what the Holy Spirit was really doing was transforming and dealing with me in order that I might be able to pour my life into others. See, so many of us come from areas of rejection and hurt, and we put up a shell that we don't even know is there. I remember one of the complaints that was against me back in the 80s was, you just can't talk to Glenn. Glenn just won't talk to you. Just can't get to him. And I remember thinking, man, after about three years, I don't see anybody lined up in my, outside my office. Nobody's trying to see me. What do they mean? But this accusation kept coming. And I talked to some of my friends, and they couldn't see it. And I was asking, how, what's, what's going on? And the Lord was using that pressure for me to start really looking at myself. One of the things that I heard Charles Stanley say years ago is a message he preached on how to deal with criticism and how to deal with praise. I literally memorized it word for word and got up and preached it and gave him the credit. I said, I'm going to preach a message that's not mine. It's Charles Stanley's, but I cannot improve upon it, so I'm going to share it with you. And he gave a number of points on how to deal with criticism. I'll never forget the first one. He said, accept it. (sighs) How hard was that? Accept it. And then he said, number two, save that person, you know, you must really care for me to see those things. What else are you seeing that I'm not seeing? If the first one wasn't hard, the second part was really hard. What else are you seeing that I'm not seeing? And I remember thinking about that. Could I actually, because your critics never bring it the way you think they ought to. They bring it with anger. They, you know, maybe 10% truth, but 80% of attack. And it's hard to hear that 10 to 20% truth in that critic. But I really learned the value. Wait a minute. Here's what I've discovered. The part that causes the pain, I'm going to say probably, probably has the truth in it. In other words, somebody may bring it with a lot of anger and upset and, and even frustration and judgment. But in the midst of that, I remember getting uh, stuck, you know, sting. Oh, wait, wait, wait. There's some truth in that. 
So out of that, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What do you want to grow in me? And here's what happens in this continuous growing time is that in order for people to get some help, they need to have seen somebody else get some help. Not just 20 years ago, but what are you walking through right now that would help the people? See, I tell the folks that we're working with, don't tell me about sin and why I shouldn't sin. Tell me how you got free from two major issues in your life. Because if you share that with me, that gives me hope. It's true with every area of our life. So growing in personal wholeness cannot be emphasized enough. Because we who teach can teach information. You can teach what you know, but you impart who you are. So you can't help that. That's come through. That's what is given to the people. So if I hear a pastor fussing and say, our people are not praying people, I usually know he's not praying because you impart who you are. Transformation comes from impartation. If people are going to grow, they need to see their shepherds growing. They need to hear how God's dealing in their life. Do you know how powerful that is? For them to hear that God is working in you, even after years of experience, because what you're doing, you're giving transparency. We really don't lead without transparency. So number one, growing in personal wholeness. I would encourage you to mark down every area where there's been a trigger or anger or frustrations or things like that rise up in you. Would you just flag that and say, Holy Spirit, bring me back to this. This could be an area in my life that you're healing. And I know for myself, there's processes, and even to this day, even to this day, there's processes that are going on in my life that are healing me, and I'm not even realizing it until right in the midst of it. So I want you to embrace those areas of personal growth. Number two, let's talk about maturing in your soul. Have you ever seen someone 42 years old act like they're 16? They get triggered in their responses to something. Or better yet, have you caught yourself <laughs> acting like you're 16 when you're 32 or 42 or 52? What is that? Someone said that when we get damaged in our emotions, you can also get stumped in your emotional growth because there can be a, a, an offense or a deep wound that can come and you stop there. And something else happens in ministry or leadership and it triggers those things that you have not yet been healed over. When we talk about maturing in your soul, we're talking about the mind, will, and the emotions. You know, I believe when we come to Christ, we're brand new creations in Christ. Old things pass away, behold, all things become new. But you know, the Bible speaks of our minds being transformed and being renewed by the renewing of the word. Our minds are transformed by that. What is our mind? Our mind and our will and the emotion are part of the soul. God's made us this way, that we would prosper and be grow in sanctification, spirit, soul, and body, as Paul wrote in Thessalonians. So there is a part of this, uh, we're instantly uh, holding Christ, and we're born again in Him, and we're new creations in Christ, but the mind has been affected and has to be renewed. So is the emotions. Every area in your life where you have not received the Word and the Spirit into those areas of your emotions and being healed, you can act way below your own maturity level. Let me give you an example. 
what one of the examples I believe it comes to me is if I see an area where I act inordinate, my response is out of order. And sometimes this shows up more in my marriage than it does anywhere else because anybody that's in covenant can spark one another. Because <laughs> you're connected in covenant, therefore you're more connected. You know, I hear people say, well, I, I get along with my friends down at the bar better than I do at people at church. Well, of course you do because you're not in covenant with people down at the bar. You're just hanging out. You may have things in common, but when I'm talking about covenant, I'm talking about people who are in Christ and they're in covenant and connected together. Even teams that God's brought together to labor for the kingdom. Those are areas where you're going to be triggered and you're going to be sparked. And those are processes of maturing in your soul, in your marriage the same way. So this maturing process comes by you and I allowing the Holy Spirit to take the Word of God and renew our mind, think biblically, and also for the Spirit of God to touch our wounds and our soul, as we were talking about in the first part, and then submitting our will. This is a process of growing because the soul is the part of man's heart as well. And that means that there's areas in our mind, will, and emotions or in our heart that needs to be transformed by the grace of God. Not that you're not born again, I want to emphasize that again, or not that you're not holding him, but that transformation is at work in our spiritual and or in our emotional growth, which produces spiritual growth. So your emotional health is a key factor to working with people. You've heard the old statement, hurting people hurt people, and healed people help people. It's really true. If I get some help, then I'm helping others to grow. Hurts and rejections and wounds from the past will manifest in my adulthood and particularly in my leadership. So if something gets, you get triggered, even with my wife, she'll say something that triggers me. Rather than getting upset, now I will mark that and say, Glenn, why did you get angry? What's hurting inside of you? Uh, it doesn't mean that that's what's said didn't hurt you, but if the response is inordinate, that's what we're looking for. Not that you're not supposed to be upset, but it's inordinate. For example, if I had an infection on my arm and you walked by and just casually brushed me, ooh, it would hurt. I would react inordinate. You think, what did I do? I just walked by, barely touched you. Well, I had an infection there. That's what happens in our soul. Somebody can say something and you come off real harsh. It's not just about that incident. It's about something deeper. That's why we say maturing in the soul Leaders must be growing in their personal wholeness and maturing in their soul. And I say that because we're continuously to mature. So one, number one of these foundations, just ask yourself, number one, growing in personal wholeness. Number two, if that's happening, then you're going to be maturing in your soul. Allow the Word of God to work in your maturity. Number three, healthy in family and marriages. Wow. I want to say to shepherds, your wife and your children is your first church. It's your first place to lay down your life. It's not about your ministry. It's about Christ working in you. I love it that Paul said this. I was set apart at birth from my mother's womb, Galatians 1.15. 
in order, number one, that Christ or the Son would be revealed in me. So it always starts internal first, doesn't it? Then that I might preach the gospel. We have to have that in proper order. And in the family, every family and every pastor's family, there's a reason Paul says that an elder must be able to manage his own household. How does he rule? How does he respond to that? That doesn't mean that your children are perfect, but you must respond to them in a biblical way, particularly with the wife and the husband, because marriage is what? It's a picture of Christ, isn't it? And his church. I mean, it's so easy for us who are the husbands to say, my wife should be submitting to me more. My wife should be supporting me more. And I get that. That's biblical. But the other side of that is that we are to lay our lives down, our self-life. That's our soul life. It's what we want. It's what we demand. And when we learn to serve our first church, our family, and our home, and humble ourselves and pour our lives out, guess what? That spiritual authority begins to rise up even in home. If I have to raise my voice to be heard, then I'm not really operating in authority. I think of that scripture where Jesus said his voice would not be heard in the streets. He would not even bruise a reed or put out a smoldering flax. What is he saying? He's saying, I won't be a a soulless projection. I'm not projecting myself. I will say what the Father has me to say. I'm not going to push that through. Well, you learn that in the home. You learn that in the family. The first church, the marriage and the family are so crucial because it's in this relationship where we really learn to lay down our life. It's where we humble ourselves. And the scripture says that we as husbands are to nourish our wives in the word. That's what Christ did. In order to do that for the congregation, we must first do it in the home. Otherwise, your children and your wife and your family will say, he's not being genuine, not being real. Nothing more important than you looking at your family. If nothing else happens, that's your first place to pray. That's your first place to intercede. That's your first place to pastor and shepherd. I believe that your wife is an expression of your own spiritual glory. As Christ grows in you, you will minister to them. So if I was going to make the third, I would say family and marriage is such a key to the foundations of the shepherd. Let me repeat those in order. Number one, growing in your personal wholeness. Number two, maturing in your own soul, mind, will, and emotion. Number three, healthy in family and marriage. Don't get that out of order. I've seen it too many times. There must be a focus of prayer and intercession. I'm sure my wife has prayed over me and saw me change. But there's times as a husband, that's all that you can do is to intercede and pray. And even when your wife starts transforming, you can't run to her and go, honey, I've been praying for you to change. <laughs> no, 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 no. She'll feel that as manipulation. You just have to carry that in your heart and be grateful and lay your life down and serve in prayer. And God is using those difficult times in your home and marriage to grow you. I know we've walked through years sometimes of great testing 
and I would say, Lord, I know that this is your working in me. He uses those difficult situations. I mentioned it earlier. Hard is not bad. It's just hard. And God uses the hard times to grow you, develop you. Healthy and family marriage. Number four, and I need to emphasize this now because you've noticed we've talked about your emotional health, your family health, those things personally in your life. Also personally for you as a foundation in your life, but also blesses the congregation, is that is that you're strong in doctrine. I can't emphasize that enough. What would you do if you were Paul and you were going to send somebody into a Christless culture? What would you tell them to do? Well, Paul tells Titus two things. Going into Crete, which was a Christless culture, more so than what we even experience today. He said, I want you to establish leaders or ordain elders and teach sound doctrine. If you look in Titus, he's teaching people how to live, the younger men, the younger women, the older men and the older ladies, teaching each of them how to live according to the scriptures. Why? Because sound doctrine brings stability in our life. It's a requirement first in your life. It doesn't mean you have to know everything, but you have to be applying sound doctrine in your life in every area. Paul tells Timothy, and to do the same thing, to establish that. And he says this, we must hold firm to the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction and sound doctrine and also rebuke those who contradict it. That's what Paul's telling Titus. This is why you have to have sound doctrine. In fact, did you know Paul did that over in 2 Corinthians, he's talking about his own apostolic authority and how he was getting rejected by the Corinthian church. And in that process, he references false apostles. And he says, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to keep preaching, one translation says, like their knees out from underneath them. I'm going to keep preaching. Why? He knew if he brought truth, the truth would deal with the issues. So sound doctrine is so vital. Otherwise, people get tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine. So as we must, sound doctrine begins first, I believe, in the life of the shepherd. When Paul says, but as for you, he's talking to Titus, but as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Well, you can't teach what's not in you. So he says to Timothy, I charge you in the presence of God in Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, listen, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. You see, he says the word is our authority. There's a great desire for all of us in our modern culture to be relevant. I think there's a need for that. I believe there's ways of communicating in every generation. But the word is always relevant. Teach the word, sound doctrine. I don't know where you are as far as giving yourself to doctrine, but I want to encourage you that you be established, not puffed up in pride, not arrogant or even arguing over doctrine, but give yourselves to that. Listen to what Paul tells Timothy. Follow the patterns of the sound words 
that you have heard from me in faith and in love that are in Christ Jesus. That's in 2 Timothy 1 and 12. And then again he says, listen, guard the deposit. He's talking about the doctrine, which was entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what a false is what's falsely called knowledge, for by it professing some swerved from the faith. So we're not just talking about knowledge, we're talking about what is imparted to us according to the scriptures in sound doctrine. So number four is sound doctrine. Let me go over it again. Growing in personal wholeness, maturing in the soul, healthy in family and marriage, and then sound doctrine. Take the church. Here's what I believe presently right now in our culture. The millennials and the younger generation are hungry for sound doctrine. They desire to be taught the scriptures so they can reason from the scriptures, help them develop a biblical worldview. Fifthly, in our own life, and I can't emphasize this enough. Are you ready for this? Number five, be deep in prayer. And I'm wording it that way, deep in prayer, not in some prideful way, but I mean having times to pray that are not just praying as you go. We all pray as we go. I love that. I love that we can pray going down the road. I love that we can pray uh, wherever we are, sometimes walking in to make a visit or pray before this and that. That's Don't stop. Pray without ceasing. But there also has to be some time when you're alone with the Lord, where you have that time of prayer. The responsibility of developing a prayer life begins with the shepherd. It begins, first of all, with your own personal prayer life. I mentioned earlier, if a pastor's complaining about a congregation not praying, I would assume he's not praying. A praying shepherd develops an atmosphere around them. Here's what I've also found out for myself personally. Going through some most difficult times in our life, if I did not have that personal time to just cry out to God. I mean, sometimes just go and lay across the bed and cry out. It was almost catharsis, but it was more than that. It was spending time with God. Guess what? The Holy Spirit becomes your counselor. It becomes your healer. I cannot tell you the number of times when I've been deeply wounded and deeply hurt just to go and lay on the carpet and cry out to God. and Have Him minister to me and have Him heal me. I'll never forget we were going through some real pressure times in the 80s and we had started a building program and the financial pressures looked ominous. And I'm on my knees praying and I said, Lord, what are we to do? And I heard in my spirit, the money is among the people. Now nothing changed immediately. I just had the confidence, okay, God, you're in charge. You'll speak at the right time. I'm not to manipulate. I'm not to make anything happen. And sure enough, over the years, God was faithful to always move upon the people. I'm just telling an example of one. I could tell you all day examples of just moments when the Holy Spirit would speak something into my heart. One example I'll tell you about is when I was first starting to pastor, we had this great a fatherly, great speaker come, and everybody loved uh, this 
pastor, and when he would speak, he's just a wonderful guy. And we had him come and speak, and I'm telling you, our people loved him. We had a small congregation at the time, maybe 85 to 100 people showing up, and and they, because they loved him, they were so generous in their offerings. After about the second or third night, we were having a Sunday through Wednesday night, I looked. There was nearly, there's a thousand dollars a night. Now this is back in 1980, 81. This was huge. This is bigger than our monthly budget. And people were just blessing him. And I got jealous. I got jealous. I went to lunch with him. I think it was on that Wednesday or Tuesday, or, or excuse me, Tuesday or Wednesday. And uh, I was aware of the offerings. And I was begrudging him getting these. I mean, I was making $400 a week, so I was begrudging him getting all of this money, and, and I was a brand new pastor. This is our first time to bring a guest speaker in, and I didn't like what was in my heart. And sitting at lunch, he started giving me advice, and I didn't want to hear any advice. I didn't even want to hear his voice. And the more he talked, the more upset I got with him. <laughs> his jealousy. His jealousy burning in my heart. Envy. So I went down, I'm doing what I'm talking to you about. I went down to the church building and went around the front where the steps were on the platform. And I just knelt down that afternoon and I cried out and I said, God, I don't like what I have in my heart. I don't like what's there. And I just began to weep and pour out what was in my heart. And I heard the Holy Spirit say, stay at the feet of Calvary. <laughs> and I just released it. I just released it, but I knew what he was saying. Glenn, if you stay in that position before me, you can trust me. And I knew I was not to be stingy or jealous, but I was to act in the opposite spirit. And I was to be generous. And that night, I, I took up the biggest offering I could. And those four days of him being there, remind you, this is back in 1980 and 81, we were able to give him nearly $4,500. That was so huge, so big. I mean, that, that was a month's income for our whole church in those days. And we handed that to him. I did it with such great joy. He went out to the car after it was over, and he said, man, it's such a joy to be here. And he took his, out his checkbook. He said, I feel like the Holy Spirit was speaking to me to tithe on whatever you gave me to you personally. And Glenn, I want you to have this. This is my tithe to you. And he wrote me a check for $450, <laughs> more than a week's salary. And it's like the Lord was saying to me, listen, I'm going to meet you in prayer. I could tell you examples of times when I was so hurt, I felt like people had come against me. And I was cry out to God. And in that time of prayer, the Lord was my counselor. He was my healer. And he was speaking to me that if I would pray, he would go ahead of me and he would put out the fires. So I can't encourage you enough as a shepherd to not only add sound doctrine, make sure your doctrine is solid, but there's a place of prayer where even the scriptures remind us of that regularly. I believe when Paul was saying, guard yourselves, to whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, guard yourselves in the flock, is to guard in prayer. Paul tells us that prayer must be made for all saints. As, as a shepherd, how does that start? How do I do that? How, how can prayer be made for all saints? I often look at the prayer life of Paul, and he prayed, seemed like, constantly. And he said, every time I remember you, I pray. Well, the only way that prayer can be made by all the saints is to be led by the Spirit. 
praying at all times, the scripture says, in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. We must have help of the Holy Spirit. There's times we don't know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession with us or for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. I think that's just deep sighs. I think that's crying out. Make yourself available as a vessel that he that searches the hearts knows the mind of the Spirit and makes intercession for us according to the will of God. When you're moved as a shepherd, can I encourage you to pray out of your gift as a shepherd? You say, what do you mean by that? This has been a blessing for me. Knowing my gift, standing as God has called me to pray accordingly. For example, as a pastor, we want to see people healthy and whole and get care and be fed. And so you are going to pray out of that, those very things. If you're a teacher, you're going to pray out of that aspect. What, what do we mean by that? Well, a teacher desires for people to get it. They want people to understand. And you'd have a passion to intercede for the, the congregation that they would enter into that. If you're evangelist, you're going to pray for people to be stirred for the lost. If we're praying out of our gifts as one of the elders, prophetically, you're going to be praying for people to hear the voice of God and be stirred in their heart and be turned towards the presence and the power of God. I mean, it's just so, I don't care what gift you are, pray out of it accordingly. And as you pray, what you're actually doing is you are being seriously aware. Here's what Peter says. He says this to the elders. And I like this passage of scripture in 1 Peter chapter 5. Because Peter, who's an apostle, said, I'm also an elder. And I know that the, that passage of Scripture is for all believers. Because it says, your adversary, the devil, goes around as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But can I tell you in context, I believe he's talking to the elders. Because he starts all of you elders being example to the flock. He starts going through them about submitting one to another, younger submitting to the elder. Then he gets down to the point, he says, your adversary. I'm going to say to you shepherds, your adversary, the devil, goes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That's why as you're praying out of your gift, you're praying accordingly. And he says, resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. Shepherds should pray for the people to be filled with the knowledge of his will. This is how Paul prayed in Colossians, that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will. Notice, I don't believe that's pray that they'll know God's will, but be filled with the knowledge of his will. Can I suggest something? That's heaven's perspective, that the people would see it according to the knowledge of his will. I mean, everybody wants to know the will of God. Unfortunately, some people look at it almost like a going to... to uh, <laughs> a tarot card or some kind of spiritualist to get future direction. No, no, Jesus is your future. But he wants us to be filled with the knowledge of his will that he might direct us in every way. So as shepherds, we pray that people be filled with the knowledge of his will. That means we pray for God's perspective on life and in every situation that the Holy Spirit would reveal the word of God to them. It's important for people to mature in their walk. And let me read this, how Epaphras, who probably helped start some works coming out of Ephesus, probably the Colossae church, they believe, said this. Epaphras is what Paul says in Colossians, 
was an example of what I'm talking about. Paul tells us that he struggled on the people's behalf in prayer that they might stand mature and fully assured of the will of God. Colossians 4.12. Wow, how powerful is that? That as a shepherd, for me to think, as a pastor and overseer, that I can have a place in people's maturity and then fulfilling the will of God through prayer. Those are five foundations of shepherds. Let me remind, them, remind you of them again. Number one, it's simply growing in personal wholeness. Number two, maturing in the soul. Number three, healthy family and marriage. Number four, strong in doctrine. And number five, deep in prayer. Let these foundations be your foundation, no matter where you are laboring in the kingdom. God bless you. Man, I told you that was fire, didn't I? Man, I just love learning from these people that have lived the life uh, serving Jesus and able to give that type of passionate wisdom. Super grateful for Glenn and wanted to share a new segment in uh, the Leadership Lessons podcast. The last couple of years, we've been doing um, one piece of advice, but I actually want to go back. I want to go back to 2017. Uh, videos that I was putting together for Redemption Church called Three Minute Messages. We, the backstory of this is uh, I knew that I wanted to start a podcast and I wanted to see if I can do it. If I can have the discipline, the insight, the wisdom, the uh, people to pour into you. And so um, I wanted to start recording videos. At the same time, I wanted people in our church to be reading the Bible. And we've had a great time doing a reading plan where we just uh, let people know, hey, we're going to read John chapters 1 through 3. And then I would do videos, three-minute messages to supplement their reading and just give devotionals. And so over the summer, I did this experiment. Uh, I wanted to have leaders, people that I was connected with, people uh, like my wife, uh, my, uh, my community group leaders, uh, people in our church and then people outside of our church, friends like Pilgrim Benham, Jim Gallagher, Eric, uh, Souza, just a lot of different people to compile a list of wisdom to share with people. I was thinking if I if I can do this, then maybe I can do like a, a leadership podcast and do video, uh, which I really enjoy, and just sort of start from there. Uh, you know, because we've already we love learning about stuff and wanting to know God's word and wisdom and how do you apply that today. So I I did this experiment even thinking about you three years ago, uh, and it went really really well. I was so blessed by all the people that responded that wanted to share wisdom. Uh, my pastor Chuck Lynn, my dad, my mom, my um, people that have linked up with me in the ministry and I, I get to talk with, they, they were open and willing to share a, a, a proverb. And I was like, you know what? If they're willing to share a proverb. They're probably willing to share other wisdom with us as well, specifically for church leaders in ministry. Let's go for it. And so I want to go back because many of you have not heard this. A lot of these videos will be geared towards Redemption Church and reading Proverbs, but they're full of wisdom. And I want to show you um, just the importance of passing on when you learn what God's teaching you to pass it on to other people. Because of all these other men and women that have done that, uh, I believe, um, I thought that God uh, showed me that I could do the same thing with this podcast. And so I'm really grateful for all the people that are pouring in to this podcast. Uh, oftentimes I record these videos months in advance just as I'm hanging out and with people, schedule it, and then um, be able to give it to you. And so some of these uh, interviews that I've done in season three were 
uh, back in 2019, early 2019, or, um, you know, when people are, when I was at a conference last year, I recorded two interviews, those type of things. Um, but it's, it's really important that as we are learning God's word and growing in our leadership capacity, we pass it on. And this is one of the reasons why I have this podcast, because I am learning. I do not have things perfect. I want to grow in my wisdom, in my leadership capacity, in my godliness and character, and just learn from men and women that have served the Lord. And so um, as I'm learning, I'm using this as a tool to teach you as well. And so this is going to be a segment called uh, Three Minute Messages. Three Minute Messages by men and women uh, learning and sharing wisdom from the book of Proverbs. And I figured since Glenn shared the first episode, I would have his spiritual son, my good friend, Ron Jones from Coastal Chapel, share um, how the Lord prevails and his proverb to start us off. So this is Ron Jones uh, starting us off with this new segment in season three, uh, three minute messages from the book of Proverbs. This is a three minute message brought to you by Redemption Church, Delray Beach. My name is Ron, Ron Jones. I am the founding pastor of Coastal Chapel here to give you a quick proverb so one of my favorite proverbs is proverbs 19:21. it says many are the plans of a man's heart but the lord's purpose prevails and uh, this scripture is so cool to me because i've literally experienced it so many times in my life one of the greatest examples i could think of is when we started coastal chapel i remember spending all this time um, developing like this 32 page business plan and we had all these stats and figures and we were gonna do this by the first quarter and, and grow by this in the second quarter and 30% of this, 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 and within three, four years we were gonna buy this building and we were gonna be the next latest and greatest church. And that plan was, I mean, it was detailed out. Everything was so beautiful. And, and when I put it together, graphically designed it, put it on paper and printed it, I mean, it just looked like we were gonna conquer the world. But, but planning a church and putting it on paper is two different things. And I think that's a principle in all of life, you know, it's like we dream things up or we see um, things in our mind, our vision, we, we, um, we visualize what we're going to do, we think about what we're going to do, but, but in all actuality, when it comes to fruition or when it comes to walking out, really it's, it's only God's purpose that prevails. And we can't get disappointed in times when things look different than the way we thought it would look. And we don't get disappointed because of one very important reason, that is we have to trust God's sovereignty. It is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And if we believe in the sovereignty of God, if we believe that God is who He said He was, He's in our corner, He's got our back, then we know He's working all things for our good. I love that scripture in Romans 8 where it says, in all things God works. And so I look back now over the last four years of planning Coastal, and, and it's definitely been a different journey than what I expected it to be. And it's been bittersweet because there's been a lot of ups and downs, but I do know this, that I can trust God because His purpose will prevail. So every day I put one foot in front of the other one. Every day I keep going forward. Every day I keep praying and believing and trusting and expecting, but I don't get so caught up in disappointment. I don't feel like a failure. I don't feel abandoned or displaced because something didn't look the way I thought it should look. I'm not God. So many are the plans of Ron's heart but I know it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So I hope you, uh, hope you can get something out of that. Whatever you're dreaming for, whatever you're believing for, whatever you're hoping for, keep believing, keep trusting, keep hoping, but at the same time, keep acknowledging that it's not about you, it's not about your perfect plan, 
It's not about the way you dreamed it. You don't have to be disappointed. It's really up to God. So trust Him with every area of your life. Many are the plans of a man's heart, but in the end, it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. Thanks. Well, that's it. Episode one taken care of. I know that I was talking a lot, giving you the format, but here's the deal. Because this is March 9th, at least when I'm recording this and launching this and giving it to you, we're not just going to finish there. You can actually get episode two immediately right now. And we're going to have many guest lessons, people that are preaching, teaching, giving you principles, uh, just sitting down to camera and talking. But I also have interviews. And so what I'm going to do is have people that I respect, love, learn, and grow from uh, about subjects and talking about. Uh, the next video is going to be on the importance of learning by Pastor Kevin Day. He's a pastor in Kent, Washington, a guy I really respect and love. I actually bumped into him at a conference and I was we were talking, had dinner. I said, man, let's record some of this wisdom because you are blessing me. So uh, go ahead and hit the next um, episode. Please feel free to subscribe to uh, the Leadership Lessons Podcast. My marketing budget is a lot. It's you. That's right. Zero money, but a lot of people are listening and a lot of people are growing from this. So please share this with your family, with your friends. Uh, feel free to go to eeleaders.com to get the individual uh, three-minute message that you can share on Facebook or the individual guest lesson. I'm trying to break all this stuff down so not only it's beneficial for you to learn as you work out, as you're on the, in the car, but you can actually go to the website to get quotes, to get uh, recommendations of leadership books, and just uh, compile a resource for church leaders as I'm growing to help you in your growth as well. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, God bless you, and we will see you in episode two. Have a great day. Thank you so much for listening to this Leadership Lessons podcast. You can watch all the episodes and get all the show notes at eeleaders.com. If this podcast was a blessing to you, I would love for you to share it with your friends on social media. You can find us on social media at EE Leaders. You can also help us spread the word by simply writing a review on iTunes or Google Play. My hope for you with this podcast is that it will encourage you and equip you to continue to serve Jesus. Because remember, there's nothing better than doing what God has called you to do.